Listen and stream the only talk radio, Freedom 106.5, for the only talk that matter. Good morning and welcome to Freedom 106.5 FM, where you speak your mind. This is Carrie V going all the way to 12 noon, holding on for Govan, of course. And we're going to jump right into agribusiness and innovation with Jody White. Jody, good morning. Welcome. Morning, everyone. And today we have our guest, Mr. Ansel Bagwandine. And Carrie, when we talk about innovation, you know, we always have people in Trinidad that fall below the radar. Mm. And, and Mr. Bagwandine is a, he's an inventor. He's like the Elon Musk of Trinidad. <laughs> <laughs> so Ansel, you know, I'd invite you to give a little introduction on yourself. Let people know what you do and then let's get more into exactly why you're here. Okay, great to be here. Uh, thanks for the invitation, Jody. Well, I'm a, I guess you could call me a technology solutions provider with a background of engineering in Trinidad Tobago. I've been an engineer a long time now, pushing on to 35 years. And um, over the last uh, decade or so, I've gotten more into technology solutions development for Trinidad and Tobago. And we've had some success in that regard, especially in the last couple of years. So I've been involved in projects some sustainable related ones, such as battery regeneration for vehicles, more recently hybrid electric vehicle battery regeneration that I led a team in November to the climate launchpad.org competition that's across 60 countries and Trinidad and Tobago placed first in the sustainable mobility category because of that innovation. More recently, um, over the last year, year and a half, we've been developing uh, this technology which which I call solar ponics which is a vertical tower garden but it has some different differential capabilities that make it suitable for the Caribbean peoples more affordable and aligned with our educational sector so in terms of who I am I'm an engineer uh, who I hope to be a game changer in Trinidad and Tobago mm. and um, I'm recently appointed as a, one of those island ambassadors for Trinidad and Tobago for innovation um, as of last week to represent Trinidad and uh, innovation and sustainability across all the islands in, in the world, 600 cohort. So that's a bit about me and um, back to you. All right. That's good. So solar ponics. Yes. Um, what is it exactly and, and why did you decide to do that? Like what was the inspiration behind it? Well, about 10 years ago, maybe a little bit more now, I got involved in, in um, uh, getting educated at MIT for electronics controls and so on. And I had to select a project that was appropriate for the Caribbean. And what I selected was the concept of individual or personal automated farming for busy people. Because we had the things like the Paris Accord and so on coming up and climate change was a, a topic that I re had read about. It wasn't on the radar back then in Trinidad and Tobago. And now we're feeling the climate shock. So that is how the initial concept started. It was published in 2014 online. Um, it's still online actually. If you Google my name and the word mini farms, you'll see the initial uh, version uh, displayed at Kariri. And the purpose of it was to enable the average person to affordably grow vegetables and greens at home without needing the labor, without having to, to put in the effort and the manual labor. So it's let's think of it like how the refrigerator became a kitchen appliance that we all accept now as part of our lives in Trinidad and Tobago. 
but 40 years ago it was not. We have to have an icebox. I'm hoping that this solar panics, because it's compact, it's suitable for homes and, and, and offices even, would become an appliance to be used by everyone one day soon. When, when you say solar ponics, it's, it's, a, 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 it's a hydroponics system that's, that's driven by the sun, so we do have to plug it in. Essentially, that it, it has that option. Um, importantly, in today's world, uh, energy is becoming very expensive, as we see. Um, in Trinidad and Tobago, where it was cheap, it's going to change. So yes, it's 100% renewable energy powered as an option. It can be plugged into the grid as an option for the people who want to attempt indoor farming inside their homes. So what, what makes this unique? Because I, I saw you said it was the very first solar ponic system in the entire Caribbean. So what makes this so unique versus other hydroponic systems? Well, to date, when, you, when you're looking for a hydroponic system, they tend to be, well, uh, to use some of the, the terminology, nutrient film technique, deep water culture, and so on, but they take up room. They spread out horizontally on racks <clears throat> and so forth. This approach being a vertical tower garden, now this has been around a little while as a concept. However, having, having one that has integrated the reservoir, has integrated the pump, has integrated the control system, and now the power system, all in one standing unit, no taller than myself, just two feet wide, that does everything for you. So what does that mean from the, from the point of view of the user? You can grow 100 plants in the space of a standing person with no wiring and no plumbing. Fully automated, digital displays, ability to upload data to your phone for school projects or what have you even the ability to track it remotely, uh, we were adding that capability. And the concept behind that is personal distributed farming for the average person, the average individual, as opposed to mega farms that are suffering right now because of climate shock and so on. We saw what happened in, in December in Trinidad and Tobago where 70% of agricultural produce was lost. And we had peppers selling at $70 a pound locally none of the produce was lost on these vertical systems. There was no suffrage, there was no loss. So this is where it's going and this is what makes it different because in an average hydroponic installation, it's static. You can't pick it up and move it if a storm is coming, if a flood is coming, but this system is 100% mobile via a single person. You can put it into shelter if you need it to move. It is. A, it has the, the ability to move up stairwells, to go on your rooftop, to go on your back porch. So it's designed to be mobile, portable, automated, self-maintenance, and easy to use. Yeah, so I said something as well about laptop batteries being used for, for one of the models. Indeed. Um, what took place over the last three to four months, uh, when I did the, the project for Trinidad in, in the sustainable mobility, I encountered another winner in the clean energy category out of Tanzania. A young engineer, a fellow called Gibson Kawaga, 28 years old. And um, what took place was we have formed an alliance where the technology from Tanzania to recycle scrap laptop and power tool batteries and recreate battery packs has been shared in Trinidad and Tobago. 
in exchange for our solar ponics technology to go to Tanzania and Africa. And what has been taking place is that we're creating a, a system or, or, or capability to harvest. It's a small market space. So when you're developing a new product, you have to take it in different stages for batch production. So the, the, the state it's at right now is we're seeking sponsors and so on, and we have achieved a, a linkage via a program from Atlantic LNG. They have a Atlantic Community Environmental Program uh, every year. And what has taken place is that five units have been deployed to five secondary schools in Southern Trinidad uh, as of December. And they are growing and harvesting and learning on those systems as a platform. Also, uh, two other schools are enjoying a version, a new version of the unit, uh, Naprima College, Boys College, as well as Astra Girls College in San Fernando. As of yesterday afternoon, another group uh, that would be the Seroptimists organization from San Fernando are hoping to deploy in a couple of other schools in San Fernando schools as well. And I'm in talks with other energy sector companies who have policies in this regard for renewable energy-based solutions to look at putting in schools in Coover and so on. So the goal, the short-term goal, if you want to call it that, is to place these units in schools where it has the most social impact because one single unit is exposed to 30 students at one time for a short crop cycle. So in one school year, one unit impacts almost 100 young people, just one unit. So we're trying to leverage that and get young people involved and hopefully scale via uh, retailing afterwards. So the first step, food security, education, renewable energy training, sustainable training, and the ability to actually grow, produce, do science, and make a sustainable potential living for young people going forward. Now, Karian, Ansel invented a whole lot of things outside of the agriculture sphere as well. Ansel, you did something with some pan sticks as well at one point. Mm -hmm. That's right. So you have a lot of inventions. Well, t tell us about these pan sticks first, because I want to get into another point shortly. Okay. What exactly was it? <clears throat> that was a, a, a project under the IDS Innovation Competition way back when in 2013, uh, run via Kiriri. And what that was, was the, it, I created the first high tenor pan stick that has the ability to uh, become an audiovisual stick. Now you've probably seen drumsticks in concerts and so on that light up when they play and so forth. But with the steel pan, while you can do that, you can use drumsticks with the large drums. You cannot do that with the tenor stick. It's highly balanced and has to be tuned. So it still remains the first high tenor steel pan stick suitable for pan around the neck and, and, and tenor pans that has light up capability, LED light up capability, sound sensitive capability, the ability to be calibrated to give synchronous light capability with, with the sound. So you create a, a different dynamic. So think about this for a moment. Let's say B-Mobile is, is sponsoring a team. The pan sticks cannot be green when, they, when, when you play. If it's Digicel, they can come up in red. If it's, if it's, if it's another entity, Let's say WASA, it could come up in blue. So there's branding involved, there's interactive lighting involved. So you create a light show that's suitable, especially in the tourist market when you have pan around the neck and on the cruise ships and so on. 
and you cannot buy one that's not made in Trinidad right now. There's no Chinese equivalent. There's no Indian equivalent. There's nothing like it in the world yet. So it brings me to this point. You invent so many things. Are you in this business for the greater good, or is it a business that is for profit? Like, what is your motivation behind all these things? I have a unique uh, challenge. I cannot do the same thing for too long. So I've done a lot of different things in my time. So on average, every two, three years, I must get involved in a new project. So while the, if you want to call it for-profit, really is for sustainability. Uh, it doesn't make you rich. This is not something that, that, that makes you wealthy. Um, this is probably why not too many people get involved in it. But you have to have a passion for it. And that is what drives me. Also, creating a legacy for the young people. I got involved in technical vocational training, uh, and I've trained a lot of young engineers and, and, and technicians, and showing them a different way, rather than just seeking a job. You know, If you're a technological person, then you can create something new and create a new service, and then create a new business, and become self-employed, and then eventually employ others as I have. It creates a new metaphor in Trinidad and Tobago, because we have such a, what, what we call a mercantile economy of buy and sell or import and sell and this is why when you go to the bank to get some us dollars there's none available yet in other countries even grenada and st vincent that's not a problem because their economy is not structured on import and resell for tt dollars they create value that they can export so if somebody like carrie decides listen i wanna i wanna start growing some of my crops at home but I so busy. Could she obtain something like this? Is it something people could buy? Uh, the answer for the moment is not quite yet. Uh, it hasn't gone fully commercial to the public at this time. Because of the demand in the school sector, mm -hmm. uh, we're trying to meet that demand at this at this point. We have demand that we can't meet because of, of, of the scale. Remember, this only got launched, you could say, by November last year. So I'm in negotiations with a couple of entities. One is the MIC Institute of Technology right now. They set up manufacturing at their renewable energy center that's being launched in Point of Pier in a month from now, uh, where we will train the young Trinidadians, the young men and women uh, coming out of their technical uh, programs to actually assemble these things in Trinidad and Tobago and make it available to the public. I would expect it to become available to the public maybe in the next quarter, hopefully. But how long does it take to actually build one? Uh, for a single person, a, a, a single technician can build one in a day. So you see this as something people are actually going to one day probably employ at home. So you have a house, you have instead of a backyard garden, you have these hydroponic systems at home, it could be totally off the grid, and everything is controlled via the phones, you said. You could, you could control everything, get updates on your cell phone. Uh, the, the concept is... This is suitable for not only highly urban areas, but rural areas, of course, off-grid and so on. Not so. So the, the concept with that is we must be able to deliver a solution that is suitable for all peoples, not just one mm. type of people. So if you're 10 years old and you want to grow crops. Well, well I, know, now, I know coming and say that. So now mm -hmm. I have my, my daughters and my nieces. I mean, they have phones, they have tablets. Get them into farming, not farming, into planting. But that sounds like it. 
<laughs> because you remember people play Farmville on the phone yes. and every day you had to go out and water your crops. Imagine if you're watering your crops, but you're actually watering your crops. You know what? That's a, that's a real good thing. You build it into a game, eh? <laughs> well, well, we hope to get to get to that point. Um, the, the, the interface is there, um, but we haven't launched the app for the phone yet because that, of course, would be the real pull for the young people. Um, at this time, the interface is more an upload data interface, more suitable for the science, agri-science students in secondary school and so on. So I wanted to get to the point where even for what we call indigenous nomadic peoples in other countries, because this thing is mobile and these nomadic peoples move seasonally to different locations where the food is, it's suitable for them as well. So if you live in a high-rise urban environment and all you have is a, a porch with a little sunlight, you can have one of these units growing food there on the 12th story or the level 12. Um, if you have a backyard that has a little space, great. If you have no grassland or no arable land at all, that's fine too. So the point of it is, wherever you are, whether you live in rural areas, whether, whether you live on the beach where there is too much salt in the sand, whether you live in a high-rise somewhere or whether you live somewhere in the bush in, in, in Australia, it will work for you because you need no plumbing, you need no power. All you need is a little soil that goes into it and, of course, some seedlings. And there you go. How many plants could one unit hold? The current one that's in the schools delivers 105 plants in the standing space of one person. And, and what type of crops would you say we could grow in that? The, those would be the leafy greens, and we've just started with the tomatoes and so on. Mm. Uh, for, let's call it the fruiting vegetables as well. Mm. Now, as you say crops, the current version I'm working on, that will be the version 3 plus, let's call it that, mm. will be suitable for something I know that's dear to your heart, Jody. <laughs> Staples. Ah. <laughs> Edos. <laughs> ground provisions. Sweet potatoes. So are the arrows and the sweet potatoes going to grow inside the machine? Like it's going to hang around and grow in the machine itself? Okay. The concept is this. You may have encountered something called the Dutch bucket method overseas. Yeah. Yes. So what we have with the unit, the vertical tower garden. So let's think of it as a, as a small tank, you know, like a 50-gallon size tank that you'd purchase anywhere in Trinidad Tobago. So that's a body size, like a barrel that runs the regular leafy greens with the controller and the solar and everything as we stand now. How does that convert to growing root crops? The, the concept is this. Pigtail buckets or five-gallon buckets that hold regular soil or soil mix are placed near the, that unit. The unit has the ability to control another reservoir and another pump for the root crops. So let's say you have five pigtail buckets ar arranged in a circle around this, this unit. One of those buckets has the nutrient mix in it, and the other four buckets are growing four separate root crops with all the capabilities of the existing tower garden, automated, accessible, uh, portable, and so on. So it's scalable. So you can grow leafy greens if you like, and if you want, you can add the root crops to it, and as many as you wish. Okay, so that takes us into another point. So we have to get our, our, our commercial break. 
Uh, let's get on to the break and we'll be back shortly and kind of continue and maybe take some calls. Talk is streaming at freedom106.5.com. It's just about 10.30 here in Trinidad and Tobago. And welcome back to Freedom 106.5 FM, where you speak your mind. We are in innovation and agribusiness with Jody White and Ansel Bagwandin. Now, we have some questions from WhatsApp. And guys, you can get into the conversation. You can send me a message on 306-1065. And you can even call us at 627-3223 or 625-2257. Ansel, someone wants to know, how expensive is this? Yeah, so that's always the million-dollar question. What does it cost? The toll unit that delivers 105 plants should be in the neighborhood of 6,500 TT all told, complete. And that should include a packet with nutrients, seedling bags, and test strips and whatnot for things like the pH of the nutrient and whatnot. So it will be a complete kit so that when you get it, you just you don't have to go get something else. You can just put your seedlings in and get going right away within an hour. The, the smaller, more compact unit, which is more targeted at homes and personal use, is a 48-planter unit. And that one should be in the neighborhood of about $4,500 at retail. And that's what we'd expect with the same kind of uh, packaging and service. In terms of the lifetime of the unit, you shouldn't have to uh, entertain any expenses uh, other than regular maintenance and cleanup. Uh, in terms of the electronics and the battery pack and the solar panel for about four to five years before you have to look at replacing a battery pack or something like that. Hmm. Good morning, guys. Uh, I love the conversation. Sorry, Jody. I want to find out, does it hold enough space? How much space does it hold in the room? It occupies, um, let's call it one square meter, including the plants. So three feet. Cross. So more or less, it's, it's not much space that it will hold. It, it's more about uh, about as much as your chair. Oh. Let's call it that. <laughs> so okay. where your chair fits, so does that. <laughs> ah, nice. Yeah. Is there a limit as to how high you could build this? Because it said six feet, but could you go higher than that? Could you say build one that's twelve feet tall, going straight up? Well, I suppose it's possible, but the goal of this is to make it portable in an average home environment. So a six-foot doorway space is typical. So we'd want a single person to be able to, to carry it within uh, through a doorway. And, of course, elevators if you're in a high-rise as well. So while we could make it taller, let's say from a, a farming point of view in a greenhouse environment for productivity, um, portability gets impacted. You know, electricity is so cheap in Trinidad. I want to know the cost of, replacing a battery or maintaining solar panels versus just plugging this into an outlet how does it compare the okay how we qualify this from a sustainable development goal perspective one of these tall units the six foot tall units will will take out about a half ton of carbon dioxide from our atmosphere if it's solar powered every year so one unit helps the climate by taking out half a ton of carbon dioxide. If we plug it in, TNTech and PowerGen are generating carbon dioxide when you use that energy. So that's one concept if you're concerned about sustainability and climate change. But in terms of pure cost, uh, right now, we pay somewhere around 35 cents per kilowatt hour of energy in Trinidad. Of course, that's expected to triple 
apparently, based on what I've seen over the next year or two. So as of now, the cost of power that the unit takes is not significant. It's probably going to cost you maybe $5 a month because it, it uses it's very power economical because once you have a solar-capable device, it's going to be very economical on power. In terms of the additional cost of the solar panel and the battery pack, that gets uh, quantified, let's say, it's about a six to eight month payback in terms of, you know, versus normal energy costs and and, and, and the cost of the capital cost of the solar pack and power pack. Uh, and there's no maintenance on the on, on the solar panel, Jody. That's a twenty five year item. So we don't even consider that as a as an issue unless you unless you take it and break it. <clears throat> yeah, that's about it. Wait, wait, so is there a half ton of CO two? Is there a half ton when it consider the electric requirements, or is it a half ton when you also factor in what the plants are processing? Well, the CO2, that calculation is purely based on the price of that. If we grow bok choy as a crop, a short crop, and you say have about 10, 10 cycles per year on that, it would calculate out to a yield of just, just under, uh, I think the exact number is 463 kilograms of carbon dioxide. You would have, just by making food, you would have taken out of our atmosphere. And when you think about the scalability of this thing, if we start this, the unit has to deploy by the thousands in Trinidad and then by the, the multi-thousands overseas, a real serious climate change impact is going to start taking place because you're creating food from carbon dioxide, which is the way nature intended it. What humankind has done is taken all the, the oil and coal that, was formed from organic waste over the many millions of years and started to burn it and put carbon dioxide back in our atmosphere. Nature intended that carbon dioxide comes out of the atmosphere and goes into the ground or goes into food, if you will. We have been doing the opposite in the last century. So this system takes us back to how nature intended it to be. Solar energy grows food, food that takes carbon dioxide out of the air we consume that food in order to live, and that's the cycle. We breathe out carbon dioxide, and there's a circle. So that's the concept of it. And in terms of the energy con uh, used, like the burning of natural gas, or in the case of other countries, burning of oil and coal, there's a much greater carbon dioxide output if that takes place, and it's much more harmful to the environment. So. This device is climate sensitive, a net carbon absorber, produces food affordably, trains young people, is portable, suitable for everyone, and it's going to be in your hands soon. You have something up that says snail defense, and I mean, uh, yeah, I'm not too sure what it means, but I feel like you're going to take away my $5 per pound that I could claim <laughs> from the ministry for submitting snails. What is a snail defense about? Well, nice thing about the ministry, the ministry don't really check if the snail live in, huh? <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, think about it like this. Um, the French actually have been managing snails for quite a long time, escargot. So in their case, they want to keep the snails, you know, corralled in a, in a pen where they grow them. And what they do, they, they use a low voltage, when I say low voltage, like, like from a battery, to keep the snails in place because the snails don't like the, the feeling when it touches the, the voltage. It pulls back. 
Now you can check on YouTube and have a look at what people have done at home in their kitchen gardens, put it on wires and run it off a little battery, and it works quite well. So this is not, not rocket science. But what I have done is I have uh, built it into the vertical farming systems, and it's done in a way so that the snail does not die, the caterpillar does not die, the big bachak does not die, the small snake, if he tries to climb it, does not die, but it repels them all. So if you see you have this unit out in your, in your space in your backyard and snails are trying to climb it, and they have tried to climb it already in Shogwanas where I am, they can't do that because it prevents them from climbing it. So they go away and go find something else to eat, not your crops. And the important thing there, Jody, that we have to take away, there's no snail bait, it's pet safe, there's no pesticide, and there are no dead snails piling up to rot anywhere. So, so some, somebody was telling me before that the hydroponic systems, they don't need as much pesticides as, as say, an in-ground system. Is that true? Well, the um, because of the, especially the, the, the vertical tower garden units uh, are, are more tolerant because what happens, the airborne pests tend to be optically and, and um, driven as well as uh, with their other senses. So they can find open spaces much more easily where there are crops. So that's one, one source where the crop is concentrated in a vertical tower. They don't see it as well. Secondarily, it's more manageable because let's say you have a contamination in your nutrient mix and so on. You can manage it internally because this system self-cleans itself. So let's say you have a pest in the form of algae affecting your plants, causing root rot and so on. With some hydrogen peroxide from the pharmacy, you can add to the system. It doesn't do the plants anything. It will clean itself automatically. You don't have to go clean it. So there are more forms of pests. We, we, I, I consider pest means anything that harms the plant because you want the plants to survive. In terms of leaf miners and flying pests and so on, um, I actually, yes, there's neem oil and so on, but I use something personally that actually works quite well. And it may sound a little unusual, but um, if you go to Pennywise Grocery, uh, Pennywise Pharmacy, they have something called olive sheen for your hair. It's made of olive oil to keep your hair glossy and healthy. Yes, Are you green smiling? Tin. <laughs> yes. And, <laughs> and I suspect she might have some at home right now. Um, and all you need to do is to spray a little bit of that olive sheen on your crops that's standing right there. You just walk around in about 30 seconds, you spray that. Smells nice, it's olive. And any insect that gets contacted by that can't breathe, it dies. And it's olive oil. <laughs> so I I've just in my hair and that's, in wow. yeah, yeah, that's something that's something I'm doing. I, I because you know my my daughter has this thing, and I said you know, but this is olive oil, and it's, we eat that <laughs> stuff. But anything with oil that gets on an insect, they can't breathe because of how they're built with their with their their pores on their bodies and their exoskeletons. Mm. So it's as simple as that. So there are things around your home you can use. Um, I, I, I've seen mechanics in, in auto shops take a tin of WD Sporty and spray a cockroach if it's nearby. What? But it's the same principle. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that is something new. That is something new to me. 
That is something new, Jody. I've, I've never heard of that one, though. That's quite interesting to try. I mean, I would I would probably try that and see what happens. Because I built one, not like his, but I built a system to see what it would be like, what it would cost me, how hard it is to run. It's probably not the most efficient thing. Hmm. Um, but I am getting crops from it now, uh, learning about it. Uh, it's a fun thing to do, but I don't know if I'll get fed up. So <laughs> having something that's automated is, is probably great. Because like when I went away for a couple of days, I had to call somebody and say, hey, make sure and turn on the pump to this and, and fill it mm. back with water for me. So having things that are automated would save people a lot of time because it is easy to get caught up and, and just forget about it and fill up. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the thing. You see, what you, you, that's a very important point, Judy. We are all busy. We have our lives to live. And we all have constraints. What will make something work and last is if it's convenient in our lifestyles that we have to deal with. It must be convenient. If it saves you time and gives you an output and saves you money, well, now we're talking about something that is viable and sustainable. And in the case of this particular thing, I'm trying to make it, as I say, an appliance that has all the convenience features built in. And what we're trying to do as well is make a package. Let's say, okay, if you have one of these units, Maybe once a month you may need a little more nutrients or another little plant bag or some little thing that goes with it. We're creating a packet. So you just buy that and you have everything you need for the next month. You don't have to go to the agricultural shop to buy nutrients or or go down by Asasco to look for um, plant bags or, you know, it's all about how, how a grocery has made food convenient for you. You go to a grocery and you shop. We're trying to make this convenient. So you just go and you buy that. And hopefully we'll put this on the grocery shelves as well. So when you go to the grocery, you buy your nutrient mix. You buy everything in one packet and you go home. Yeah. Wow. That is innovation. (laughs) So we have to go to another commercial break now. Uh, Let's get to a commercial break. And when we come back, I want to hear about the competition that you just won and what that process was like. Guys, if I'm and that is my time check, we are going to take a break. When we come back, it's much more. We're going to be taking your calls. Don't forget you can call us at 627-3223, 625-2257, and you can even send us a WhatsApp message on 306-1065. This is Freedom 106.5 FM, where you speak your mind. We are going to be right back. Talk is streaming at freedom106.5.com. Good morning and welcome back to Freedom 106.5 FM, where you speak your mind. is just about 49 minutes after 10, and you are in Innovation Agribusiness with Jody White, and we have our guest, Ansel Bagwandin. Our numbers, you can call us at 627-3223, 625-2257, and you can even send me a WhatsApp on 306-1065. Ansel, someone would like to know, what material is it made from and does the heat cause it to release any toxins? In the case of the, the larger unit, which is the six-foot-tall unit, um, <clears throat> it's actually based on the rotoplastics water tank material. So, no, there are no toxins, and yes, it's ready for consumption. The smaller white unit is a, a PVC structure, so that's like water pipe. Uh, so there you go again. So uh, unless you burn it, you know, you don't have any concerns. Mm. Thank you the so much. The Agriculture Society actually just messaged me asking that you contact them. They'd like to get in contact with you. I don't know. I'll send, I'll send their contact information for you, and you can have a conversation. Indeed. Um, so you recently won a prize for this. What prize was that? Well, 
Um, earlier this year in January, the we had an energy conference, the largest energy conference in the Caribbean um, at the Hyatt. And um, what took place, one of the new features is that they have an innovation and technology challenge where they invite uh, people from across the Caribbean to compete. And the top five get to actually present live on stage uh, for um, judging. Uh, there's an audience um, input as well, scoring. So this particular project, the Solar Ponics project, because it's renewable energy based and sustainable uh, uh, principles for climate and so forth, fit the category. So we were able to compete effectively and we placed first among the, the even multinationals, I believe Shell, Shell Oil plays second. Okay. With, yeah, so we're competing with some of the large entities in the world right now. So coming out of that, what were some of the benefits you would have gotten to, to expand the project further? Well, interestingly, what has happened, uh, all the delegates at the energy conference, uh, but let's call it the all those energy companies, out of point leases and service companies, out of point leases, as well as um, offshore, do have corporate social responsibility programs. And this kind of uh, effort, which assists young people, schools, fits within climate uh, change issues, as well as food sustainability and food security issues, self-employment, you know, the list can go on, does fit into the, the package of what they would like to support from a corporate environment. So we've been engaging, and um, thus far we have engaged with two to three more entities. Uh, we're doing up the documentation. So what's likely to happen within, I would suggest maybe in the next quarter or so, we should see some sponsorship for the schools, some schools in different areas across the country take place. Um, another possibility is that because this particular project was recognized by the UNDP TT office in 2021, and was one of their top five candidates for the Green Green Challenge as well. Uh, they are interested in exploring, deploying these things. I believe the, in, in, in a space in Matalotra is, is the next area they're looking at in a community up, up, up in that corner of the country. So we're getting some legs in, in that regard. So this is where the manufacturing is gonna be focused on to, to meet the needs of the communities and the schools first, before we actually take it to full retail with, with, with the public. The potential to make this something that's commercial, a farmer, a small-scale farmer wanted to, to grow and sell. What's the potential for that? That would be more applicable for the taller 105 uh, plant units. Um, what would have to take place is we would have to set up a way that he would have multiple towers in his space, all integrated to one reservoir to automate the whole system for him, rather than a bunch of independent integrated uh, automated units with, uh, as, as I mentioned, uh, a phone interface. So there's a little bit of work to be done if we want to say set up a greenhouse for a small farmer based solely on this type of technology yet. Now, if you have to put this indoors, you have to get extra LED lighting to, to, to simulate the sun. Indeed. Okay. So it's that's quite that's, interesting. Yeah. That's widely available right now in Trinidad, by the way. I, I, so let me mention this. Novolife.co, out of point leases. Right. N-O-V-O-L-I-F-E. Right. Have in stock right now. And um, some of the, and, and they're into this type of, uh, um, let's say, food processing environment as well. Right. 
So what's next for you? I mean, you, you, you've come up with so many inventions. What's the next stage of this or what's the next project that you have on, on the plate? Well, because of the, the success with the, let's call it the giant African snail defense, I am creating a dedicated package for the average person, such as yourself in your backyard and so on. You can deploy that, solar powered and everything, just to create a perimeter defense where you want to protect. At a low cost, that's child safe, pet safe, as I said before, do it yourself. So that's something I want to make available in the agricultural shops and even the groceries and so on. That's something I can just pick up and you put out. It'll be, the, the concept is this. There's an aluminum adhesive tape, if you will, that you just stick wherever, on the ground or on your walls or whatnot. It's electrified using the solar power, and that provides the defense of whatever area you want to protect. On the average 5,000 square foot lot, one of those units should cost you about five to six hundred TT dollars to deploy. It is extendable because you just add more tape, and it will have a little indicator, a little LED thing. You can look at it if it's and so on. Uh, we will think about uh, actually linking it up nationally to a flood alert system. That's something that's important uh, from uh, town and country planning. If you think about it, those those that deployment is all on the ground. And if people deploy this all over the country in their backyards, now we have data that we can sample as to where there are floods and where floods are taking place. So that's another potential. So that, that's where I'm heading uh, towards first the snail defense for the average person cheaply without having to go and spray a yard every so often. And throw bait all over. And throw bait and have to pick <laughs> up dead snails. Um, and secondarily, eventually to create a data source for flood management in the country. Sounds good. So we're coming to the end of the program. Um, you have any closing remarks for us? Okay, well, um, what, one thing I'd like to say is that it, it does seem that Trinidad Tobago, as an entity, has finally realized that we need to move forward in innovation and we need to be a little bit more self-sustainable. Um, in, in, the national, in the international scope of things, Trinidad has a is considered a higher income country. And in the in the category of higher income countries, we are last in the world in innovation. And that's not a good place to be. Um, so you, countries like Jamaica and Barbados and Guyana, even, you know, you'd wonder why we had so much resources and what, what happened in, in the last few decades that we will be last. But it seems that the reason is to some extent, we were able to earn wealth from the ground, the oil sector and petrochemical sector. So the, the agricultural community languished. They weren't really treated with a lot of respect because the concept was, well, we could buy what we want. We could import strawberries. We could eat whatever we like. Um, and there was little development and sustainable development in that sector. And we really need to, to divert our innovative efforts and, and creativity. We are a creative country. Look at Carnival, look at Steel Pan, look at Calypso and Soka. I mean, we have it. It's how we apply it. What The show we put on two weeks ago, great. But we need to put on a show like that for the agricultural people. We need to put on a show like that for the, for the, for the self-employed people. We need to put on a show like that for everybody and an opportunity. So that's the kind of message I would like to, to share. As individuals, let's not just look for a job 
and a salary and a vacation and a new car. How can we make a little difference if we each do that or help someone else make a little difference? Yes, remember the buy local talk from before, but you know it's becoming critical now. There's going to come a day when the oil is not going to be there and we can't, we can't import. We're going to have to grow our own food and you're going to have to buy local or die. Well, some strong words there, answer. I'm very happy that we got you on the show today. You're quite an, an innovative individual. I really wish you all the best and all the success. Mm. Trying to be good. Thank you for listening. And we'll be here next week mm, for time. another episode of Agribusiness and Innovation. I just want to add Great. something before we go, Jody. Ansel, what other thing you, you, you think about inventing again? I'm excited to know what you're going to invent again. <laughs> Any ideas right now? <laughs> Well, there are a couple. Uh, there's, I have a couple things in the in the region of Pradia Lasni dealing with Pradia Lasni, mm. which is a big, which is it a big is deal a for the big, Yes, it is. It is. Yeah. Wow. So I have something and it works there. Good, yeah. nice. So we look forward to that. Uh, thank you so mm -hmm. much for joining us here at Freedom One Hundred Six Point Five FM. We'll see you the next time because I'm very sure we will have you here again. Great, <laughs> glad to be here. All right, thank you so much. Thank you, Jody. See you guys next week, same time, same place. Talk, talk, talk is streaming at freedom106.5.com.